0: Well, happy Valentine's Day, John.
1: Yeah, you got your shopping done?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, after your fact of the week, we're getting ready to jump into here. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit inadequate.
1: Hopefully our wives don't listen to this.
0: I hope not, because we do have a very interesting fact of the week coming up related to Valentine's Day. But happy Valentine's Day for everybody out there. Um, you know, hopefully you'll have a, a very special day with your significant other. Yeah,
1: Friday the 14th. That's a good day. It's a great right. day. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So... uh here we are. Yeah. Yes. Well, we got so, a good show, too. And we have a great show lined up. Talking We're like, about <laughs> taxes
1: again, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you're just so, on the tax thing.
0: Yeah, I am. Well, you know, it's important. And um, I realize it's not a fun topic, but, uh, but still, you got to get this right. You know, you don't want to mess up on your taxes. And so, John, we have the 10 common tax mistakes to talk about here. Um, it's an article based out of Forbes, and it's just very interesting. I mean, there's such such easy mistakes that people make, and you got to avoid that. So we're going to talk about those just to tell you what to look out for, and so hopefully your tax season will go very smooth.
1: Yeah, and another positive topic is uh, all the data breaches. You've heard a couple of those out there recently. Um, Oh, yeah. Target's been a little little while. Capital One, State of South Carolina, gosh, I think it was back in 2014 maybe. Right, Um, right. So they provide monitoring service now. So we're going to talk about freezing your credit, and this is really important. It's not a – it doesn't, you know, fix everything with uh, people, you know, stealing stuff from you, but uh, it does help. And it's certainly a step that each person should look at their own credit reports and uh, probably freeze it.
0: And it's actually good news because it is very easy to do. So, um, you know, it's a great step if you haven't taken that step. So you'll want to tune into that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years.
0: We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show, our podcast, are up every Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, check out the website, uh, moneymd.net. Um, we have all the podcasts out there. We also have a video library. A lot of current events, long-term care, insurance, college planning. We have calculators. We have budget worksheets. It is chock full of info, right? Yes, it is. And
0: lots of information out there on the website. You do want to check that out for sure. And, um, you know, like you said, even the the free uh, retirement calculator, which, you know, paints a nice snapshot of kind of how you're looking for retirement. So, and uh, you can link to us there as well and send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, So it's moneymd.net. And, John, we're going to start off with that painful fact of the
1: week. Yeah. So, here's a couple of facts buried in here. 55% of Americans do celebrate Valentine's Day. I thought it'd be a little bit higher than that, but, you know, more than half. And yeah, they that's uh, good. spend about $20 billion a year. Here's the stat, which is interesting men spend $338 on average. What? Three
0: hundred and thirty-eight yes. every year.
1: Every year, and women only spend sixty-four.
0: Holy so there's some smokes. stories
1: built in there, right? Guys are trying to get out of the doghouse, maybe. I, I don't know. <clears throat> Do you
0: spend three hundred thirty-eight dollars on I, Valentine's? I, I don't. I I don't. Um, I mean, that would be like roses, and I don't. That'd be like a cruise or something. I don't even know how you spend that much. I'm sure
1: generally, so there's probably people buying, you know, expensive things that balance you and I out.
0: (laughs) I guess so. I mean, because that's more than dinner out, you know, I mean, that's like, that's like serious money, $338.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess there's gifts going along and trying to, I don't know. So Wow. Well, we I don't... hope,
0: sorry, honey, I, I hope you're not listening to this because <laughs> I've been shortchanging you yeah. significantly. And you know, there's a, there's a couple
1: you. of decil, decimals that need to be moved in that 338, right? Yeah. I mean, we'd go <laughs> to out the to the eat it.
0: You know, we'd go out to <clears throat> Outback or something. Gee Here's whiz. the other
1: interesting thing that I found on there is, is uh, Americans spend $650 million on their pets, do you now no, you, you get your dog or cat something? Well, Steve? I
0: get my cat something, but it's uh no not for Valentine's, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, but you know, you do spend money on your pets routinely. No, but for Valentine's, like a Valentine's not, Day gift. No, sorry. You don't I, get them like I a nice little um I don't you know, feel amorous toward my pet on Valentine's Day. You don't do get them
1: special food? No, I don't. <laughs> Tammy probably does, but.
0: all right, we're totally out of touch, folks. Sorry about that, but uh, I bet if you spend money on your pet on Valentine's, that's okay. That's very good, yep. and it's a sweet thing to do. And uh, I'm sure Tammy does. You we should do that. Boomer is is the but, top of our list, but if you're spending 338 dollars on Valentine's, I I don't know. Yeah. I, I think you you ought to come to an agreement on that. And I think that could be a little wasteful. <laughs> Okay, a lot wasteful.
1: (laughs) It may be needed in some cases. All right, right? we
0: we better stop while we're ahead, John. (laughs) Before we get in trouble. About something fun. that's right. Let's talk about taxes, because here we are, folks. Um, yeah, I mean, tax season is upon us, and it's time to get going with it. Um, you know, it's always a little stressful and confusing. Confusing, right, John? Um, you know, we talk about what we talked about just a couple weeks ago about how to get organized for taxes. So hopefully everyone has taken that to heart and, you know, is about ready to go with their tax returns now. You should have most of your 1099s by now. I know TD Ameritrade um, posted all those on their website uh, this past week. Um, And those should be arriving in the mail any day, you know, if you haven't received them from whatever financial institutions you have. So for most people, you know, the last piece of the puzzle Um, is done. So unless you have a business or a limited partnership or something like that, then, you know, you're likely in pretty good shape to go forward with your taxes. Um, you know, if you do have some kind of partnership, then, you know, those K ones don't usually come out to the end of March. So, um, you know, unfortunately you're going to have to wait a while if you're in that category. But, you know, last year really threw a lot of people for a loop when it came to taxes, John, because of the new rules that went into place, um, the adjustments to withholding. Many people have been counting on the big refunds, and, and they got, you know, whacked with a staggering tax bill mm-hmm. um, due to the underwithholding that many people kind of fell victim to. Um, so while it may be tempting to rush and and try to complete, you know, the, the task of doing your taxes as quickly as possible, it's also easy to get ahead of yourself And make mistakes. Uh, So, we suggest you take a deep breath, take a little time, a little extra time, make sure you have everything and avoid these common mistakes that people make. Um, You know, you're going to cost yourself a lot more in time if you make one of these simple mistakes and end up having to answer an IRS letter or worse, an actual audit down the road. So, you know, if you do your taxes correctly, though, your chances of an audit are, are very, very small. So here are 11 common, actually 10 common mistakes that, you know, people make with their taxes that you should avoid.
1: Yeah. And the first one is really surprising is just having the wrong Social Security number. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that's- that's,
0: uh, that's that's you know, you're not even getting off go there. Yeah,
1: that's tough. I mean, the IRS receives thousands of tax returns with either the wrong Social Security number or no Social Security number put on there at all. And surprisingly, this is one of the most common tax errors. So, you know, you should have your own number memorized. Go check it when you put it in there. But uh, errors can also occur when you have, you know, put your spouses or dependents. Uh, along the same lines, birth dates and addresses a lot of times are incorrect. And, you know, if you can't get through Section 1 without a mistake, then uh, maybe you should hire somebody. That's a, That may be your sign. That would be a clue. Right. And, um, you know, if you're still using paper, maybe it's uh, time to get into, uh, you know, the new century here and and uh, get someone that has a com- computer, right? <laughs> no offense, but, you know, TurboTax <laughs> so. and H&R Tax Block and uh, Taxlayer, who's a local company, they have great systems if you don't use a CPA um but uh you got to be really careful here.
0: Yeah, you do and you, gee whiz, you got to use a computer nowadays. You you just don't want to be doing it by paper cuz these mistakes a lot of them do come from simple things like that, that 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 can make it can happen if you're just filling it out, you know, manually. <laughs> so that's a good one. Second one here is failing to include all of your income. Um and this is by far the most common mistake that we hear about as financial planners and advisors Um, Because clients come in every May and every June with the IRS letter, and they have that panicked look on their face. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've seen it, Mm -hmm. you know. um, I mean, if you receive tax forms from your employers or your financial institutions, then the IRS also receives that same information. And so you need to be sure that you include all your W-2 forms as well as all the 1099 forms from your banks or investment accounts on your tax return. I mean, if you receive a 1099, don't assume that it's not important and it doesn't have to be included just because you don't understand it, or maybe it's small. Um, The IRS runs a match program every year, which compares your tax return information to the information they've received. And if you leave off any income, they're likely going to catch it, and you're going to get that unwelcome letter the next summer. Yeah, Yeah, and it's automated. Yeah, it takes an entire year, but... About May or June, you'll start getting letters for the previous year from their match program, things that didn't match up, and and that's not a good feeling. Yeah, it is. You don't want to get that. Um, So that's number two. Next one here, though, is making math mistakes. Um, Yeah, John, I mean, using a tax professional or software should eliminate most math mistakes when you're filing your taxes, So I'll go back to John's comment here. You know, if you're using pencil and paper to file your taxes, um, you know, get some help. I mean, even a small error could leave you vulnerable to IRS penalties. On the flip side, I mean, if you you make a math mistake and you overstate your income or understate deductions, you know, then you can end up overpaying your taxes. So, um, you know, double, triple check your math. Use the tax filing software. It's relatively cheap. Um, you know, it should help you avoid all the mistakes. And in my opinion, you know, reduce the tax filing stress. You don't want to be using paper and pencil and, and, and making mistakes.
1: Yeah. Another, uh, you know, uh, mistake here is ignoring eligible credits and deductions. And, you know, a lot of times people claim too few credits and deductions. Um, And, uh, that, you know, or too many for that matter. And and every year, many taxpayers attempt to, to claim that the tax credits or rebates, um, that they're not actually eligible to take. And that being said, you know, don't be afraid to capitalize on all the deductions and credits that are available, but just make sure you qualify. So, uh, Google's your friend when it comes to understanding the rules behind the credits and deductions. And again, uh we we strongly recommend CPAs and tax folks. And if that you know is not your cup of tea, then doing something electronically is a is a reasonable way of completing them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And then another one here is not signing and dating your return. Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, <laughs> you put in all the time to triple check every single cent of deductions and then you agonize over every line in your tax return and then when it's all said and done, you send in your tax return to the IRS, but you forget to sign and date it. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, you may say, you know, what's the big deal? Well, the, you know, the big deal is the IRS will not accept your returns that have not been signed and dated. So without a signature and date, it'll be considered as not having filed your return at all. Um, so once you realize your mistake... Your return may be considered late, um, and this could mean that you're you're stuck with paying IRS penalties and interest. So you don't want to do that. That's a simple mistake. You got to take time to check that, and you know make sure you you cross all your t's and dot all your i's.
1: Yeah, and this is another one we see periodically: not filing your taxes. I mean, I've run across people that haven't filed it, and two, three, four years, and I strongly encourage them, you got to sit down with a CPA and, and go through that. It's going to catch up with you eventually. And, you know, if you want to file your taxes late, you've got to request for an extension in advance. And, you know, we all get busy, and taxes are a lot of times the last thing we want to deal with. But failing to file an extension will often result in additional cost. Once you're ready to file. So, you know, keep in mind that filing an extension does not exempt you from having to pay any taxes owed by April 15th. You're still going to have to pay an estimate of the full obli- obligation. It uh, just gives you more time to pull things together and actually file. While avoiding the five percent per month late penalty, I mean that's a big it's a number. Big <clears throat> penalty.
0: You do. I mean, imagine that. You know, times a year, if you yeah. for, if you didn't file at all,
1: and if you owe a lot, it's a big number. I mean, so sixty um, percent. Yeah. Goodness. Make sure if you're not going to hit the the fifteenth deadline, that you at least file an extension and and do an estimate associated with it.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. All right, and then forgetting to include your payment information. Um, yeah. I mean, believe it or not, people do this all the time as well. I mean, keep track of your payments. You know, last year, um, you know, I made a payment with my state tax authority and it wasn't credited properly. But luckily in that case, you know, I paid online with credit cards. So, you know, you have a, an email receipt that you can check and uh, you can go back and prove that you made that payment. Um, so the more common scenario is simply forgetting to send in the payment altogether. So if you're sending a check or a money order, With your tax return, make sure that it actually gets sent. Um, Also, include your name, your Social Security number, on your check as well as uh, which tax bill um, the payment should be applied to. I mean, when you e-file, you need to make the payments electronically. Doing so avoids leaving to the mercy, you know, the mail carrier. Um, So make sure you enter the the bank information correctly, so that the payments will actually clear. So that's one you don't want to make. Another one here, though, is choosing the wrong filing status. Yeah, I mean, which filing status should you use? You know, are you head of household, single, married, filing separately, or married, filing jointly? Choosing the correct status can be confusing, but picking the wrong one is going to throw off all your tax numbers. So, you know, do you get sneaky, try to use a status for which you're not qualified um, in order to lower your taxes? I mean, the IRS kind of assumes the worst. So you want to make sure... That you pick the right filing status and you file your taxes according to that status. So, you know, picking the wrong status and then filing some other way is uh, definitely a no no.
1: Yeah, another kind of data entry uh, issue is direct deposit. And so instead of waiting on a tax refund check from the IRS, uh, why not just have it direct deposited into your bank account and, you know, take time to make sure that you're entering the bank's routing number and the account number correctly. So, uh, you know, typos could send that refund to somebody else and it's going to be hard to get back. It's going to take a while. So, uh, you know, double and triple check this stuff that we're talking about because it makes a difference.
0: That's right. And then check direct deposit information, too. You know, so <clears throat> why wait for a tax refund check when the IRS can direct deposit in your bank account? Um, But take the time to make sure you're correctly entering your bank's routing number and your account information you know, typos could send your refund anywhere and could lead you to a huge headache. Try to get that fixed. And and it's that's not an easy task to try to get anything fixed at the IRS. So you don't want to make a mistake in terms of where your refund goes to. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, missing the uh, missing the IRS deadlines, um, the tax filing deadlines, April 15th this year. If you're unable to get your information um, together and file an extension, Uh, similar, you need to, you need to make sure that you, that you get it all together and you get it in on time. If it's corporate taxes, those are due by April, by March 15th. Um, so if you're looking for, uh, you know, a retirement plan contribution to your IRA, your Roth must be made by April 15th of this year. Um, so, you know, 401k profit sharing, SEP IRA, you have until time you file your taxes. And also if you, Still, you still have time to open a SEP IRA, uh, but the 401k pension plans, those have to be set up before you're in. And uh, let's see. Lastly here, John, um, you know, don't leave yourself vulnerable to tax fraud. Um, You know, tax refunds, scams, they're on the rise um, as we're getting ready to talk about here. And so, you know, beyond the the aforementioned um, 10 mistakes that we just talked about, you know, take a look at extra caution. Look for ways to reduce your risk to become a a victim of a tax scam. You know, one of the biggest tips is just protecting your Social Security number and you're filing your taxes on time. Um, You know, that's going to help you to avoid, you know, giving scammers a chance to run off with your tax return. If you do mail it in manually, you know, make sure you go put it in one of the blue boxes. Don't stick it out in your mailbox um, because, you know, people are looking to steal mail this time of year as well Mm. to, to steal your information. Taxes are hard enough. So, you know, dodge these uh, common mistakes. Avoid having to rush to um, have to fix them down the road. Um, a few extra minutes today could save you hours or potentially thousands of dollars in the future. So those are the common tax mistakes to avoid. And that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, with the new uh, law that went into place a couple of months ago, the SECURE Act, um, they changed how IRAs are handled. So we're getting a lot of questions and starting to look at some planning in this area. And the question is, should I convert my IRAs to a Roth before I reach the age of 72, which is a new RMD age, required minimum distribution? And um, since my children will now have to distribute it all within 10 years of my death, so there used to be you could take money over their lifetime, right. now it's only 10 years. So should you do conversions um, from IRAs to Roths?
0: Yeah, that's anyway. right. Um, and this is an interesting question because, yeah, that has changed. You know, you're not going to stretch it out as long as you used to be able to under the new rules. They only have 10 years to take the money out. I think it really, those comes down to the tax rates, John. Um, you know, if you can convert money from an IRA to a Roth in a 12% tax bracket, Yeah which is about 105,000 of gross income for most married couples today. Um if you're under that and you can convert IRA to a Roth and stay in that bracket, I think that's usually a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's a pretty good bet, yep. right? So um but if you're going to have to convert money in a 22% bracket, um then I think that that becomes more questionable. And and it's also worth looking at what bracket will you be in down the road, you know, when you have to take out your RMDs or what bracket will your kids be in if you leave your, your IRA to them. Um, you know, if you leave your IRA to your kids, well, oftentimes they're in a lower bracket than you are. They might be in the 12 percent bracket. So even if they have to take money out over 10 years, um, that's a lower tax bracket than you. So you don't need to convert to mm-hmm. try to avoid that. Um. So the tax brackets, I think, are real important, and that's what you really need to take into consideration when you're deciding whether or not to convert your IRA to a Roth when you're already in retirement.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, if we knew what the tax rates were going to be in the future, we could get the exact right answer, right? That's I mean, right. So we just don't know that piece of it. That's a wild card. So uh, definitely 12%. I, I agree 100% with that one. So All
0: right. Good deal. And that leads us up here <clears throat> to our next question, our next topic, and that is… Uh, how to freeze your credit? It's a good article by Dave Ramsey.
1: Yeah, so you know a lot of data breaches out there. We hear about it. Um, you know, it's no really no longer a matter if someone's going to try to steal your information. It's a matter of when. And in fact, in twenty eighteen, there are fourteen million people who were victims of identity theft, and it's pretty scary, so you know there's there are ways that you can protect your information and at least lower the risk of strangers taking out credit in your name and primarily that's by freezing your credit so what is a you know credit freeze it's really like storing your valuables in a safe and it um it lowers the risk of identity theft by locking others. Out of your credit report. So most creditors um, check your credit before you know letting you buy things like a house or a car or taking out a loan. So freezing your credit can stop creditors from approving new accounts, which helps prevent you know random people opening up new lines of credit in your name without you knowing it. And of course, if your credit is frozen, that means you, you you're not going to be able to open up um, you know credit. You're not going to be able to take out a mortgage. But you can unfreeze it, or you can temporarily lift it. Whenever you want, and uh, before you put your 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 Parker on, here's some things you got to know about freezing your credit, because um, there's some misconceptions out there. So there's some things that will do, and some things it doesn't.
0: Yeah, that's right. So we'll talk about things it doesn't do first. Um, yeah, it does not guarantee a creditor won't won't give won't still uh, give you a credit card um, to someone else pretending to be you. So it doesn't totally protect you. I mean, there's always a chance they won't look up your credit first. But freezing your credit does lower the risk very significantly of that happening. So, um, Also, though, someone can still try to hack into your existing accounts, and they can mm. buy things with your money. Um, but if someone does steal your identity, credit freezing can help stop a thief from opening new accounts and cause it even more trouble. So it, it certainly helps in that case as well. It does not affect your credit score, but if you've got any errors on your credit report, You'll want to probably fix those before you decide to freeze your credit because it's easier to to access it and fix those um, before you freeze everything. And, uh, you know, you and your credit, your current creditors, debt creditors, and some government agencies like Child Support will still be able to see your credit report. It just won't be available for any new lenders to see. okay. And it does not keep credit card companies and other businesses from trying to sell you pre-approved credit you know, cards or offers based on your current credit info. Um, having said that, John, I mean, since I've freezed hours, probably five years ago, mm-hmm. I, I don't get any credit card yeah. applications anymore. I don't know about you. I don't. Yeah. So I think it does help in that regard. I don't.
1: Yeah. And it's not a, again, <clears throat> it doesn't control everything, but it definitely reduces the risk. Um, and, you know, when should you freeze your credit? We we think you should be doing it now. Uh, we hear a lot about data breaches, you know, the target capital one state of South Carolina uh, and a data breach is when someone gets their hand on private or sensitive information like credit card or social security numbers without permission. And since mo- you know m- most of us have that kind of information stored online, Uh, there's a higher chance people will be able to steal it. So, um, again, freezing your credit can't prevent someone from stealing your information, but it can stop them from using it to open up new lines of credit and maybe scoring a new gaming system at Best Buy. So if you know there's been a breach of your personal account or a breach in a company that that stores your data, uh, you need to go ahead and do a credit credit freeze. And I would say regardless, I mean, your information's out there. It is it's already out there. happened, really. Absolutely. You know? Sure. So uh identity theft is another reason to freeze your credit, you know, if you've had that uh happen and so forth. Um, you know, you can also um do um identity theft protection and so forth, but freezing your credit is a is a good idea and, and doing it for your child also is recommended.
0: Yeah, that's right. You you can do that for your child. Um sadly even your children, <clears throat> you know, uh, aren't safe from identity theft. But uh Did you know that you can freeze your child's credit to stop people from opening accounts in their name? Um, So since you have have to be at least 18 years old to use credit, a credit bureau often will not have a credit filed for your child in order to freeze it. Um, So they have to have one, but it's super simple. All you have to do is fill out a child credit freeze request form, and you mail it to each of the credit bureaus, all three of them, along with a copy of of documents they ask for, like your birth certificate, Social Security card, etc. And if your child is 16 or older, they can do this themselves. Um, And you can also check your child's credit score online to, you know, for for free to make sure they aren't a victim of identity theft.
1: Yeah, so the the way you freeze your credit, you have to go to the uh, three major credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, and uh, you've got to go to all three of them, <clears throat> and you got to let them know that you want to freeze your credit. You can do this on the website, by mail, or by calling them directly and um, you know, they'll set up a PIN that allows you to freeze and unfreeze your credit report whenever you want. So even if someone does have your social security number or other personal information they can't touch your frozen credit um without a pin and you know it does doesn't take long for that credit cold snap to kick in they they put it within a couple of days when you do it online or by phone so um you got to go to those three experian equifax or transunion
0: yeah that's right so the question is how do you unfreeze your credit <clears throat> well good news it's it's super easy um to unfreeze your credit uh, all you have to do is let the credit bureaus know that you want to lift the freeze, um, temporarily. Um, there's a temporary uh, thaw, if you will, or unfreeze that you can do, and you have to apply. Um, and it's you know, so if you need a credit card or something like that, you know, that you're applying for. Um, that's all you have to do. And keep in mind that it can take anywhere from several seconds to several days for your credit report to thaw so creditors can see it again. So, you know, it's a little bit of a pain, but it's, it's really not hard. I mean, you can log on. Usually they give you a, a, <clears throat> a code that you enter, like a password, um, whenever you freeze it the first time, and you use that code to thaw your credit Um, but so it's less of a pain than, you know, someone taking out a mortgage in your name. So I've only had to do mine like once in the last three years. So it's, it's, you really don't do it nearly as much as you might think.
1: Yeah. And the good news is, is it, it's free. I mean, they used to charge you when you, um, wanted to freeze or unfreeze, but, you know, Equifax had that huge data breach in 2017, the personal information of 147 million Americans was leaked. So the government decided to make it free. So, you know, you can also go online to those three uh, credit bureaus and request a free credit report once a year, uh, even if your credit is frozen, just to keep an eye on that. And that's certainly something that we recommend. And, see that really goes right into the prescription of the week, right? That's right.
0: That's right. I'll get in that in a second. But did you re- did you remember here this week that they actually charged four Chinese? Yes, I saw that. Uh, for that, that, that breach, that Equifax data breach back in 2017. Yeah. And this the,
1: week. The story was is they, they they did that on, I don't know, like 24 different servers in like 20 countries. I mean, so it was like bouncing all over the place Super to try to cover yeah. their trail. Yeah, Somehow, I, don't, I can't imagine
0: how they actually identified the four people in who knows it's amazing that they could do that but they charged them with it and i mean of course they won't you know show up and you know take the charges but it does it does let them know that hey we're on to you we're watching (laughs) we're on to you so i thought that was a very interesting thing all right and that leads us up here to our uh last thing which is the prescription (laughs) of the week and that is to check your credit score and your child's credit score, if you have a minor child, to see if anything unusual is going on. Um, John, I mean, it's super easy to do. You just go on Equifax or TransUnion or uh, Experian's website. Um, They will allow you to, you know, you just log in, create an account, and you can check it right there. You can check your credit score, and uh, they give you, like, a whole report. And, you know, I checked mine the other week. And I was surprised my credit score had dropped, <laughs> <laughs> and so they tell you why it dropped. They tell you what areas your weekend, yeah. and the areas weekend basically is I'm not using as much of my credit as they would like to see me use. Yeah, it
1: seems like that would be a positive.
0: It seems like it'd be a positive, and I was like, really? You know, my credit score, but. Hey, who cares? I mean, I pay cash for everything. Yeah.
1: So I hear Dave Ramsey talking about this. He doesn't have a credit score because he hasn't used it in decades. And he couldn't rent an apartment, you know, um, build, or couldn't rent an apartment from somebody, but he could write a check and buy the whole building. He could building. buy the whole building. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. I love hearing him talk about that. But also part of the prescription is, is really consider freezing your credit. Uh, it's pretty easy to, to manage and maintain and so forth. Uh, it's just going to save you some headaches down the road.
0: Absolutely. There you go. All right. Well, that's been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions at info at MoneyMD.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.